0: Nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the last stragglers were leaving Mariner's waxworks. The uniformed attendants glad that another day's work was over were locking up. On the second floor of the old grey building, the manager, a stout, blonde man of smart appearance, was talking to one Raymond Hewson, who looked anything but smart. His clothes, although good once, were showing distinct signs of their owners losing battle with the world.
2: There's
0: nothing new in your request. In fact, we refuse it to many people. Young bloods have often made bets, but <laughs> we don't play ball. We've nothing to gain and something to lose by letting people spend a night in our murderer's den.
1: A night in the murderer's den. That's what Raymond Hewson, the man in the shabby clothes, was after. beseech you not to listen to this Beyond Midnight alone.
0: Biotechs, the new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond
1: Midnight by Michael McCabe.
2: I had a letter recently from Mrs. V.P. Head of 7th Street Parkmore to Huntersburg, and she said, I cannot fully describe my utter delight on returning to the washing to find the stubborn stains of two months standing completely removed. I'm so glad I discovered your product, Biotex. And now Mrs. Jane Longman of Cambridge, West East London, wrote to say, just a word of thanks for your new soak and wash powder Biotex. I find it almost too good to be true. I've just finished my first packet, and I washed all my baby's woolens with it, and they really do stay white. And what is more, they keep their shape so well, too. Once again, thanks for a wonderful product. I'm just hoping you won't wait too long before putting a large economy size packet on the market. Well, thank you, Mrs. Head of Parkmore and uh, Mrs. Longman, for your endorsements. I, too, can endorse biotechs by making certain claims to you, ladies. The most important of which is that with biotechs, the stubbornest, the very stubbornest stains just vanish merely by soaking.
0: have nothing to gain. If I allowed it and let some young idiot lose his senses, what would be my position? hmm? But of course, your being a journalist somehow, uh, that alters the case. I suppose you mean that journalists have no senses to lose. (laughs) eh? No, 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 no. But one imagines them to be sensible, responsible people. Besides, here we have something to gain. Publicity and advertisement.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: And there I thought uh, we might come to terms. Oh, I know what's coming. You want to be paid twice, do you? It used to be said years ago that Madame Tussauds would give a man a hundred pounds for sleeping alone in the Chamber of Horrors. And I hope you don't think we've made any such offer. Now, what's your paper? Uh, well, I'm freelancing at the moment, uh, working on space for two or three papers. But,
1: um, well, I don't think I'll have any trouble in getting this story published, do you? Morning Echo, do you use it like a shot? A night with mariner's murderers. No live paper could turn it down. Mm. Now, how do you propose to treat it? Well, I'll make it gruesome, of course. <laughs> but uh,
0: with just a saving touch of humour. I see. All right, Mr. Houston. Get your story published in the Echo. And there's a five-pound note waiting for you here. Will you care to come and call for it? I'd uh... I'd like to be sure about you, though. And I'd like you to be sure about yourself. Huh? I must confess that I wouldn't spend a night in murderers then. I've seen those figures dressed and undressed. I know all about their process of manufacture. I can walk about in company downstairs as if I were walking among so many skittles. But I'd hate to sleep alone down there amongst them. Why? I don't know. There isn't any reason. I mean, I don't believe in ghosts. Even if I did, I'd expect them to haunt the scenes of their crimes or, or the place where their bodies were laid, not a cellar which just happens to contain their waxwork effigies. It's just that I couldn't sit alone among them all night. (laughs) They, uh, They seem to stare so. Well, I mean, after all, they do represent the lowest and most appalling forms of humanity. Now, I wouldn't admit this publicly, of course, but the people who come to see our murderers aren't generally charged with the highest motives themselves. No, the whole atmosphere of the place is unpleasant, and if you're susceptible to atmosphere, I warn you, you're in for a very uncomfortable night. Uh, well, sir, uh,
1: I'm imaginative, I think. I am probably susceptible to atmosphere, as you put it. But it's a good idea. And I will buy from family to support. Been a bit lucky lately in the job stage, you know. And, uh, well, we're living on my savings,
0: which aren't great. But after all, they are only wax works, aren't they? You're not superstitious. No, I don't think so. But you just said that you have an imagination. As a journalist, you'd need a reasonably strong one, after all. The
1: editors I've worked for have often
0: complained I haven't any. (laughs) All right. I think the last of the people have gone. Now, wait a minute. I'll give orders that the figures happen to be draped. I'll let the night people know you're going to be there, too. One condition, I'm afraid, I must impose on you. I must ask you not to smoke. We had a fire scare down in the murderer's den this evening... I don't know who gave the alarm, but whoever it was, it was a false one. Fortunately, there weren't very many people down there at the time, or there might have been a panic. All right. A night with Mariner's murderers you want, a night with Mariner's murderers you shall have.
1: In the passage at the bottom of the stairs were a few preliminary horrors a rack taken from a medieval castle. Relics of the Inquisition, branding irons, thumbscrews. Beyond was the passage into the murderer's den. The Waxworks. Fertel, the murderer of Weir, stood as if frozen in his diabolical act. Within five yards of him, sat Mrs. Thompson, there was Lefroy who killed for gain so that he might ape the gentleman. And Charles Peace. Sneering across a gangway at Norman Thorne. Brown and Kennedy, the two most recent additions, stood between Mrs. Dyer
0: and Patrick Mahon. Oh, there. No. Uh, That's Critton. I expect you recognize him. Uh, insignificant little beast. Looks as if he couldn't play on a worm. Oh, there's Armstrong. Looks like a decent, harmless country gentleman, doesn't he? And, of course, Who's this? Oh, yes, I was coming to him. He's our star, turn. He's the only one of the bunch who hasn't been hanged. The figure Hewson had
1: indicated was that of a small, slight man... not more than five feet in height. It wore little waxed moustaches, large spectacles and a caped coat. There was something so exaggeratedly French in his appearance... But it reminded Hewson of a stage caricature. Who... who is he? That
0: is Dr. Burdett. Oh. Well, don't think I've... Uh... Well, somehow the name's familiar, but uh, I forget... Well, what... you remember better if you were a Frenchman. For some long while, that man was the terror of Paris. He carried on his work of healing by day, and of throat cutting by night, when the fit was on him. He killed for the sheer devilish pleasure it gave him to kill. And almost was the same way with a razor. After his last crime, he left a clue behind him which set the police on his track. Now one clue led to another and before long they knew they were on the track of the Perithian equivalent of Jack the Ripper. They had enough evidence to send him to the madhouse or the guillotine on a dozen capital charges. And uh, they, they, they caught him then. Oh, no, no, no. Our friend was too clever for them. Oh. Even then. When he realized the net was closing, he just vanished. Disappeared off the face of the earth. Ever since the police of every civilized country have been searching for him. Oh. No. where can he possibly gone to? I mean, with such a hunt on for him. Oh, there, there's no doubt about that. Did himself in. Obvious. But. ...in such a way that prevented his body coming to light. Now, one or two crimes of a smaller, though similar nature... ...have taken place since he disappeared... ...but he's believed to be dead. The experts think the crimes, as the uh, you are know, the actions of imitators. Huh. Look at his eyes. Yes, that little figure's a masterpiece. You find the eyes bite into you, don't you? Hmm? Uh, sort of, yes. yes. Well, that's excellent realism, then. Oh, what do you mean? Mesmerism. Bourdette practiced mesmerism. He was supposed to mesmerize his victims before... Uh, <clears throat> ...dispatching them. Oh. Indeed. Had he not done so, it's difficult to believe how so small a man could have done his ghastly work. Uh, he's very small, isn't he? Doesn't look very strong or anything. Well, there were never any signs of a struggle. There's an armchair here for you, Mr. Houston. It's the best we can do, for you, I'm afraid. I hope you'll be able to get some sleep. And Mr. Houston... Uh, uh, you
1: know, uh, I thought. <laughs> yes? uh, well, I, I thought um, just then. Um, well, I, I thought I saw uh, the, the doctor, uh, Baudette, uh Well, silly, but. Well, I, I, I thought I saw him move. your home sweet, with country fresh atmosphere in every room. Keep Airwick handy. Airwick is the air freshener that actually knocks odors right out of the air. It doesn't just mask them with heavy scent. Airwick is the modern air freshener in economical bottle or a smart aerosol. Get Airwick. It makes breathing a little nicer. Soak, soak, that's all you have to do Soak, soak, just for an hour or two you'll find things look as good as new when you use biotechs With amazing new biotechs, the stubbornest stains will vanish Yes, vanish clean away Just by soaking your laundry overnight in cold water Or for an hour or two in warm water Or by pre-washing it quickly in your washing machine Get amazing new biotechs today
0: imagination. Silly, but...
1: Well, I could have swooned... just in... just for a second. Oh,
0: uh, you'll have more than one optical illusion before the night's out, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, you won't be locked in. You can come upstairs when you've had enough of it. Uh, there are watchmen on the premises, so you'll find company. But don't be alarmed if you hear them moving about. I'm sorry I can't give you any more light, but uh, all the lights are on. For obvious reasons, we keep the place as gloomy as possible. Uh, yes, and now I think you'd better return with me to the office for a tot of whiskey before your night's vigil,
2: hmm?
0: Yes, well, for a start, I, uh,
1: I don't think we'll ever my armchair-facing friend Bordet. Yeah, I think I like him a lot less than the others. <clears throat> <clears throat> which were so uncannily like human beings that the stillness and the silence seemed unnatural, ghastly even. Hewson missed the sound of breathing, the rustling of clothes, the 101 minute noises one hears when even the deepest silence has fallen upon a crowd. as stagnant as water at the bottom of a standing pool, not a breath in the chamber to stir a curtain or rustle a hanging drapery or start a shadow. Uh, Must be like this at the bottom of the sea. Have to work that into the story somehow, like the bottom of the sea. Hmm. Sinister lot, I must say. (laughs) Even Armstrong doesn't look quite such a harmless country gentleman now. (laughs) <laughs> still there are only waxworks all would be well, thought Houston. yet somehow what prevented him most of all from feeling absolutely comfortable was the knowledge that Dr. Burdette was directly behind him he knew in fact that the little Frenchman's waxen stare was directed at the back of his neck he itched with a desire to turn round. come on the nerves have started already if I turn and look at that dressed-up dummy, it'll be an admission of funk. It's because you're afraid that you won't turn and look at him. Rubbish. Not afraid at all. Yes, you are. Rot. Complete nut rot. Afraid? A lot of waxworks. Not of a lot of waxworks. Just one. Dr. Bourdette. <laughs> French fool. Not so healthy now, is he? Ha! <laughs> look at his eyes. Don't want to see his eyes. All the same, he had to eventually have a quick look round at Dr. Bourdette. Only a waxwork like the rest of them. They're all wax waxworks. All the same, he took another quick look behind him. Now, it did not worry Hewson too much, because it was, after all, only his imagination. But there seemed to be a subtle change in the grouping of the figures around Dr. Bourdette. Or was it Dr. Bourdette himself? Ha. Huh. Looking to the front of him, he looked at Crippin. Again, he had the slight feeling that something, somewhere, was a bit different. Crippin seemed, for instance, to have turned one degree to the left. I must have moved my chair a bit. (laughs) Not Crippin. It was me you moved. (laughs) And just then, the waxwork of Grey moved a hand. At least Hewson thought the hand moved. <coughs> Just for his own peace of mind, Raymond Hewson gave the waxen figure a little poke. Wax. No more, no less. Lifeless, lifelike wax. It is of no imagination.
0: But I'd like some notes.
1: Yeah. Deathly silence. Yeah. Unearthly stillness of the figures. And then he turned suddenly and looked over his right shoulder. He had neither seen nor heard a movement, but it was as if some sixth sense had made him aware of one. He looked straight into the vapid countenance of Lefroy, which smiled vacantly back as if to say, It wasn't I. Of course it wasn't you. (laughs) Wasn't any of you. And then he looked back, and Crippin seemed to have shifted his position slightly. Hmm. Can't trust that little beggar. Can't trust any of them. Once you take your eyes off them, they move. Not good enough, this isn't. (laughs) I I reckon I'm going. Not going to spend a night with a lot of waxworks who move when you aren't looking at them. (sighs) No, Houston, please. They can't move. What are you thinking of? (laughs) He encountered the mild, baleful stare of Bourdette. <laughs> ah, almost got you that time, Crippen. All the rest of you, too. If I do see one of you move, I'll... I'll smash you to pieces. Smash you! <clears throat> <clears throat> hmm. Experienced enough already to write my story. Ten stories, for that matter. Yeah, morning echo. Wouldn't know how long I'd stayed if I, if I cleared out now as long as the story's good. Yes, but that watchman up there. <laughs> He'd pull my leg, all right. And perhaps the manager wouldn't give me the five or two. find out, all right, how long I was here from the watchman. <laughs> Rose will laugh about this, I tell her. Mm, you asleep, Rose girl, or awake, thinking of me? <laughs> I'll have Rose laughing at me. Kids will pull my leg too. Yeah. Nothing worse than. Hmm? worse than having. someone's breathing. They move when I'm not looking. But I'm not having the beggars breathing, too. No, it won't do.
0: I am Raymond Hewson,
1: unsuccessful journalist, but a living and breathing man. And these figures grouped around me are only dummies. Dummies? What what does it matter if they're life like? (laughs) Wax and sawdust for the entertainment of of morbid sightseers and orange sucking tourists. Ha! Then the gaze of Dr. Burdett urged challenged and finally compelled him to turn. Huh? Huh? Hewson stared into those dreadful, hypnotic eyes. His own eyes were dilated and his mouth at first set into a grin of terror lifted at the corners into a snarl. You moved, losty. Yes, you did. I saw you. I
2: saw you. What you
1: Dr. Baudette's movements were quite leisurely. He stepped off his pedestal with the mincing movements of a lady alighting from a bus. I need hardly tell you that not until I overheard the conversation between yourself and the worthy manager of this establishment did I suspect that I should have the pleasure of a companion here for the night. You cannot move or speak without my bidding, but you can hear perfectly well. Something tells me You are, uh, shall I say, nervous? Am I deserve no illusions? I am not one of these contemptible little effigies suddenly come to life. I am Dr. Bourdet himself. Pardon me, but... uh, uh, Steve, Uh, let me explain. Circumstances with which I need not fatigue you have made it desirable that I should live in England. I was close to the building this evening when I saw a policeman regarding me, thought too curiously. I guessed that he intended to follow me and perhaps ask embarrassing questions. So I mingled with the crowd and came in here. Inspiration showed me a certain means of escape. I raised a cry of fire. And when all the fools had rushed to the stairs, I stripped my effigy of the cape coat, which we all be wearing, donned it, hid my effigy behind the platform at the back there, and it took its place on the pedestal. I own I have spent a most fatiguing evening. The world is divided into collectors and non collectors. The collectors collect anything according to their own individual tastes. I collect throats. And the doctor regarded Hewson's throat with interest mingled with disfavor. My activities of late have been curtailed. I am glad, though, of the pleasant opportunity of gratifying my somewhat unusual whim. I should never have selected you from choice, of course, no. I like men with thick necks. Thick red necks. This is a little French razor. The blade, you will observe, is very narrow. It does not cut very deep,
0: but deep enough. In just one little moment, you shall see for yourself. I shall ask you the little civil question of all
1: polite barbers. Does the razor suit you, sir? You will have the goodness to raise your chin a little. Thank you. And a little more. Just a little more. Ah, thank you. Merci, monsieur. Ah, merci. Merci, Over one end of the chamber was a thick skylight of frosted glass, which, by day, let in a few sickly and filtered rays from the floor above. After sunrise, these began to mingle with the subdued light from the electric bulbs, and this mingled illumination added a certain ghastliness to a scene which needed no additional touch of horror. The waxwork figures stood apathetically in their places, waiting to be admired by the crowds who would presently wander fearfully among them. In their midst, in the centre gangway, Hewson sat still, leaning far back in his armchair. His chin was up-tilted, as if he were expecting to receive attention from a barber, and although there was not a scratch upon his throat, nor indeed anywhere upon his whole body, He was cold and quite dead. His previous employers were wrong in having him credited with no imagination. Dr. Baudet, on his pedestal, watched the dead man unemotionally. He did not move, nor was he capable of motion. But then, after all, he was only a waxwork.